Welcome to How She Creates. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Lauren. And we're here to take you behind the scenes with all your favorite artists to learn how they create. We'll discuss creativity, tips, tools, inspiration, and life as an artist. We hope these conversations leave you encouraged to make more stuff and share it with the world. Welcome to How She Creates. Today, we're talking about embroidery. But now, embroidery is not only for grannies, and we're excited to introduce two artists who are providing this new way of seeing embroidery to you today. Jennifer Bilton and Karen Gaunt make absolute magic with mixed media and are able to create works of art with different kinds of materials typically seen in embroidery. We are kind of in awe of them, and so today we're chatting about their creative stories and what led them to creating with embroidery, how to not totally suck at it, managing time to create, and their favorite supplies for this medium. We also talk about perfectionism and imposter syndrome, and how exploring abstract and mixed media embroidery can help combat that in a very perfectionistic art form. Your paint is your thread in this medium, and in this episode, we weave and paint some real artsy magic. Thank you so much for joining me today, ladies. I'm really excited to talk to you too. You are two of my favorite artists, and I think that embroidery is just one of the many, many skills that you both have, and I'm excited to talk to you about it today. Hi. Hey. Hey. For those people that don't know you, can you please introduce yourself and maybe give a bit of a background to how you got to where you are with creating? Karen, you can go first. Um, Okay, well, my name is Karen uh, and I have been art journaling for about two and a half years now. And um, I guess creating for me is always something that I have done um, in some way, shape or form. Um, But embroidery has always been there in the background because my mom would have done a lot of it. So I would have been around it quite a bit. So incorporating that into my art journaling and my art was just kind of a natural transition for me because I don't particularly like the traditional style, but I like to use the elements of it in kind of a different way as well. And you, Jennifer? I'm Jennifer. I am a self-taught hand embroidery and mixed media artist. Um, I'm from the United States, which is why I'm the only one without a really cool accent in this conversation. (laughs) Um, I've been hand hand embroidering for about four years. And to me, it kind of started out of hand lettering. um, And I, I wanted to bring my hand lettering onto a new medium. Um, so I began stitching it onto fabric and that's led to some really exciting new discoveries for my work. Um, blending, you know, two or more media together and creating something, um, an embroidery that I wouldn't have been able to do on just on paper itself. So it's been a cool journey. So what for you is your definition of embroidery? Because I know for me, the definition is, is is that it's something that old ladies do in a circle around together. They like knit and just, you know, do something in hoops and I don't know, give it to their grandchildren. So you guys are both very young. Why? What is your definition? 
So I'm an English major. I'm an English major. I studied English in college. So I went to the dictionary and my favorite definition of embroidery is the art of working raised in ornamental designs and threads of cotton, silk, gold, or any other material upon woven fabric, paper, etc., with a needle. And I also like the um, the definition of embroidery that's not actually arts related. It's embroidery as in telling a story Ooh. and embellishing a story. And so I like to kind of bring those two, um, that second definition into my work and tell stories with it, um, incorporating other art forms as I do it. But uh, embroidery these days is definitely not a grandmother's craft. And if you go on Instagram and you look under the hashtag modern embroidery or contemporary embroidery, you'll see a lot of artists creating um, things that, you know, grandmothers wouldn't even dream of. Like it's, it's become a whole new art form. And I really like that it still has those roots and still can be a community thing and it can still be an individual craft, but um, it, it's got those foundations in the old art form, but it's being pushed in a new direction. Mm. by a lot of young artists these days. Well, I think embroidery for me is um, something I've always been around. So it's always been in my life. My mom has always done stuff. It's always been on the wall. So I suppose for me at a young age, it would have been kind of the thing that she did in the evening. Um, so I suppose slightly more along the grandmother line because she would have sat and, and done it and she would have done a lot of cross stitch and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but for me, I think embroidery means really just kind of working with um, thread or textiles um, in some kind of manner. Um, it doesn't even always have to be involving a needle. Um, you know, there's so many different things you can you can do out there. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do, a lot of different um, medium that are new now that, again, like your grandmother would never have heard of, like water-soluble fabric. And, you know, working on that kind of stuff um, is really cool because, you know, you get so many different textures just from the thread and the needle um, and nothing else. Then you create a fabric from the thread. So it can mean so many different things nowadays um as Jennifer was saying like it's such it's it's anything that you want it to be your your paint is your thread um you know and you can just push it in directions that are you just can't can't get with paint um on paper or on fabric um you can get so much texture in your work which is for me what I really enjoy about it so okay so you each spoke about a specific material that really interests me um, Jennifer, you spoke about your definition and in it you said that um, it involves weaving gold. Have you ever like done anything yeah, with mean, gold? What? Well, there is gold, uh, gold thread, but it's a pain. It's, <laughs> I don't know if Karen has found any, yes. but it, it's so spindly and it breaks apart. So what I, I kind of cheat and I just like to paint the thread gold. You know, I just paint over the stitches that are white thread and I paint them gold. But yeah, you can, um, people embroider with silk ribbons. I've never tried that, but it's really pretty. My mom does um, that a lot. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. That's insane. <laughs> Is gold thread what Skill skin used to use? <laughs> possibly that's what he wove yeah that's why it's so so difficult to work with uh yeah <laughs> i think any metallic is you can get a lot of metallic threads nowadays and i have some but yeah they can be a real pain to work in just small areas is best if you're going to use it at all yeah 
Yeah. Okay. So what do they do with that? Do they turn like the metal into something that looks like thread kind of thing? Or do they like mix it with material? I'm trying to find mine. I think it's, it feels like it's gilded. Like it feels different than regular thread. It's, um, it's not soft. No, it's very coarse. But, yeah. And when it goes through the fabric, sometimes it can sound horrible. <laughs> like nails on a chalkboard it's yeah, kind of a pain even though it's, it's pretty but it's a pain yeah. okay okay yeah then karen the thing that you were speaking mm-hmm. about that really interested me um was water soluble fabric mm, what that's is that fun to work with um it's like um it's fabric almost but it's it's very very thin and it's kind of um you can get hot water soluble fabric and you can get cold water soluble fabric so the two of them have slightly different properties um the hot one is kind of icky because it goes like gel when you kind of dissolve it and you have to kind of peel it away and it kind of yeah it's weird you know if you get like the little um balls for your bath that have the um bubble bath inside them and then they're like a film on the outside and when you put it in the bath it's fine but then at the end of the bath you find that gunky kind of bit that's a little bit what is left over sometimes um but it's really cool because you can you can actually use it with the um with the machine i would have done this um like in college you can do it with the machine um and you can just literally layer and layer and layer and layer um lots of different stitches over the top of each other and then you dissolve i suppose that the fabric is like a like a backing to it and you dissolve it and what you're left with is the thread but the thread has been held together um and it creates a really nice kind of open really unusual kind of texture to it it's really cool and then you can trap lots of different things in it that you couldn't do if you were embroidering them on top of it as well um you know kind of found objects and that kind of thing almost it's almost like um felting almost um kind of thing but it it gives you quite a delicate fabric so you wouldn't be putting it like on a well i guess you could put it on a um a garment but it's 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 more kind of a lot of people would use it for kind of like abstract kind of stuff so um Mm. you can get some really cool effects with it wow i need to look into that it sounds awesome yeah it's really fun yeah yeah it sounds like you can go really deep into embroidery yes Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the knitting and stitching show is coming up here in Dublin. Um, I'm going to be going at the end of the month um, wow. and uh, following the grandmothers down the road. Um, but yeah, they, they always have a really big section at the back um, that is um, the Embroiderers Guild and everything. And there there is some really cool stuff. So um, I'll definitely take some pictures. Um, Hayley, maybe you can have them up there for, for when the podcast airs. Yes, I'll put them in the show notes. It sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah, there's some really cool. Last year, there was all... Um, there was a fishmonger stand that was completely embroidered. Um, like oh. there was, there was sardines in tins. There was all sorts of stuff. There was really, really cool stuff there. It's really, oh it's gosh. really cool. It sounds like the start to a romantic novel, like this knitting and embroidery show in Dublin, in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. <laughs> Oh, wow. So what made you start with this in the beginning, way back? Tell us more about that. 
Uh, well, I guess my mum would have done it and um, she would have done a lot of cross-stitch and that kind of stuff. So I started off there and I had like a million cross-stitch kits that I started um, and never finished. I think for me, the most fun part was organising the threads. So I think that was kind of an indication there about the length of my attention span and where I was actually interested in. I was more interested in the colours than anything else. Um, yeah, I would have gone from there. And then I, I suppose um, when I started kind of the art journaling and, and, you know, kind of more paper art, um, I was interested in, in, in incorporating both because I really liked using the textures of it. So I would have done traditional embroidery. Uh, I would have done this couple of samplers and, you know, a couple of cross-stitch projects, that kind of thing. But using them in a different way, in a way that felt more me, because when you have a kit, it can feel quite constricting. Um, I didn't really get on so well with that. So, you know, I, I preferred to branch out on my own and try and do something a bit different. Mm. I think the first time I saw embroidery or really recognized it, I saw a bag with stitching on it and I, I really loved it. And I had a friend's mom who was willing to teach me, um, but she started with French knots and <laughs> that is not the place to start embroidery. Um, and she wanted to, she taught us on an airplane. So doing French knots on an airplane was it just, I quit before I started. Um, so I went, I came back to it um, in the middle of my college years. I was having a really um, rough summer and I went and found myself, found myself a kit and I started it because I, I just needed something to do. Um, so I, I, like Karen said, I don't even think I finished that kit because it, it became so tedious. <laughs> and so I found one other pattern that I, I liked and then I set off on my own to make my own patterns, um, to do my own thing. Um, and so that's kind of where I went back to hand lettering and incorporating that into my work. So I always had this background of lettering and I brought that onto fabric to make that my own. Hmm. So that's my story with that. So what are French knots? Please explain to me. Uh, French knots are the, um, devil's work the little dots <laughs> <laughs> they make little dots um but it's kind of complicated and once until you get the hang of it because you're wrapping the thread around the needle and then pulling that needle down through the fabric and so all you have are those little wrappings um that create a knot and it's it's not that hard once you get the hang of it but it's not the place to start <laughs> you want to start with something a lot simpler than that so okay, it was so Sorry, Katie, go on. Mm -mm, you go. Okay, it was so funny actually last night. Um, I was I was trying to I'd seen something on Pinterest like you do, and um, I was doing I was doing this piece. Um, I had I've, I'm doing I'm working on some stuff for an Etsy shop, so fingers crossed that'll be up pretty soon. And um, I'm do I was doing a, a flower crown on a skull like you do and um, I was doing the French knots and I was getting really kind of like no, it's not really what I'm going for but I wanted the the circle so I was literally on Pinterest screenshotting pictures of these knots sending them to my mom going what the hell is this stitch I can't find what it's called so she's like trying to figure it out from the picture she's looking at her embroidery books at home and as well you know so I was like okay you must know because you know more of the stitch names than I do I just try and try it out and then she's like oh it could be this it could be this and and it wasn't any of them. So, yes, it was uh, funny, yeah. So you never figured it out? 
Yeah, it was, we were not, we're, we're still not sure, but I think it's called a blind knot. I think it's, it's, it's used in like Chinese embroidery. So it's kind of, it's, it's a variation on the French knot and it actually gives you like a couple of very loose circles on the fabric, rather, whereas the French knot's really small. So I don't know, I'm, I'm going to try it out and see how it works, but it seems to be very hazy what the actual instructions are for it. So <laughs> Fancy, gosh. So both of you are really good at making abstract fiber art and I don't really know like I think embroidery is a very low level term for what you guys do you guys make such beautiful art with material and with thread and with paper and with paint and you just mix everything can you tell me a bit more about why you do that and your process and you know, for like someone like me, that's really intimidating, but I think it must also be so freeing and it, and it looks quite exciting. So you want to chat about, about that a bit more? Well, I think it's also intimidating because when you have a, a piece of fabric and a hoop, it's a blank slate. It's its own blank canvas um, and there are no rules. So you just kind of have to experiment if you want to do something new you had to bring yourself to it. Um, that's what I like about embroidery. It's not like I, like I think in the definition, it's not just thread. You can bring anything to it. And so, um, when I started experimenting with paint, um, and watercolor and, uh, gouache, it was kind of intimidating, but also really exciting because the paint will do whatever the paint is going to do. And you really have no control over it. Um, so, the the fabric just absorbs that paint and it it really creates cool designs that you couldn't have conceived when you first started. Um, that's what I love about that. And so I've also just brought myself and my interest into my work. I love words. I collect words. I was a writer and studied English in college. So I bring that to my work as well. And I've started collaging and stitching on found text and that I've spliced out of old books and just stitching that onto the fabric. And that tells its own story. Um, so those are just my experiments and there's really no limit to what you can do. I think you had to bring your own history and your own curiosity to it. Yeah. And for me, I guess, um, I would have, I, I get bored quite easily. So I like to try a lot of different things. Um, my attention span is quite short. And whilst I, I know kind of a lot of people kind of obsess about finding their style and all of this kind of stuff, I think you only kind of try find that by trying so many different things. And then you can come back and take what you like to have out this part and add it into something else. Uh, so for me, like working with the fabric and with the thread, um, I've always enjoyed doing that. So just working in my journal for me is not enough. Um, I like to have something that I can I can see afterwards because I think a lot of people work in their journal. They show it to whoever is at home and they go, mm-hmm. And then um, you put it on Instagram and then like everyone goes, oh, it's lovely. And then it just goes away and you never see it again or, you know, very rarely. So at least if you've got a piece that's out of your journal, you can actually hang it on the wall. You can see it. Um, and then just physically holding something in your hand and working on it and seeing the progress um, from building up the different stitches. That's why I really like it. And, and it combines all of the things I like. I can use my paints. I can use, um, as Jennifer said, the book text, or I can use my stamps. I can use, I'm kind of obsessed with like um, the Victorian engravings and illustrations and stuff right now. So I've got loads of books on those. So I can, I can combine all of that that I like into one thing, which gives me the, you know, the best of, of all the worlds. 
and I can sit on my couch and do it as well because now the winter is kind of coming in um where my work desk is it's kind of right at the window it's cold and um, I can't watch the tv so I can do this and sit on the couch and watch my tv and you know kind of just kind of zone out and do that as well I, that's what I really like about it yeah so if you're listening to this I'm going to have pictures of Karen and Jennifer's art in the show notes so it might be worthwhile to look at the show notes and see their art and see what we're talking about because what they're doing is quite different from anything else I've seen. Um, but ladies, tell me the difference between working on material and working on paper. For me, working on fabric is a lot more forgiving. With paper, it's really exciting because you have two different textures going on. And I think the stitches really pop because they're set against something that's a little flatter. Um, but you can also, what I love to do is paint on that like watercolor paper and then stitch over it. Um, but you've got to poke holes. So it's kind of pre-planned. Like you have to poke your holes where that thread is going to go. And then there's no going back. Mm-hmm. With fabric, you can tear stitches out and you can move them around and no one would know. So that's kind of, they each have their own payoffs and um, con- consequences, I guess. Like you can't, you can make a mistake in fabric a lot easier than you can on paper. With paper, you just kind of have to live with it. And that's kind of its own lesson too. That's a good lesson. Mm. Are you talking about just the threading or are you talking about any kinds of art? I haven't thought it. I was talking just about threading, but I think mm. any kind of art, I mean, with paper, um, it's a little more permanent and fabric. I, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, what about the water coloring that you do on your fabric? Um, with watercolor and fabric, is a little more forgiving than, say, acrylic. Um, acrylic paint is really difficult to stitch through because it's so thick. Um, so what I like to do is just stitch around the paint instead of through it. Um, but it would be similar, like, if you had acrylic paint on a on fabric, it sort of becomes like a canvas material, like an actual canvas. And it's really hard to stitch through. Um, and that would show holes too. So, um, each form has its own ways of working with it that you just have to learn and experiment to find out. What do you think, Karen? Um, well, sir, paper will always be paper. It, it will always be fairly flat. I mean, yeah, you can build up layers and stuff, but fabric is a much more, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's much more sensory. You know, like there's there's different um, textures to it. So depending on what you're doing um, and what you're using, you know, you can add different pieces of fabric to another piece of fabric and then it becomes something completely different then as well. You can add your stitches onto different types of fabric. And again, it becomes a different texture. If you're, t- if you're adding, say for example, some felt onto, you know, just a piece of cotton, then, you know, you've got two completely different textures and your stitches will react completely different to, you know, on, on each um, piece of fabric as well. So that's what I really like about it. And, you know, I like, um, I've, I've experimented a little bit with kind of you know like some kind of like sheer kind of organza and you can layer that on top of something that you've done before and then um whatever's underneath will show through so you can't always get that effect with paper 
And then, as Jennifer said, the like stitching on paper, yeah, it's very unforgiving. Um, you know, you you kind of have to learn your lesson quite hard about what will work and what will not work. Um, I don't get on well with book text because it's so thin. For example, um, you know, it can it can rip really easily. You have to be really careful about where you're stitching. Um, you have to kind of. Uh, have like you know like a paper piercer really to kind of help you make the holes first because it's very difficult sometimes to make the holes through the fabric oh sorry the paper um and if you've used glue as well it makes it even harder you know if you're gluing the thing down before you're stitching on top of it and then the type of glue that you use affects it as well if it's like double-sided tape or you know something like that then it makes your needle sticky that's the top tip don't do that um you know or and if it's glue it becomes really hard then and it's like um like what we what Jennifer is saying about painting the acrylic on top of the fabric it almost becomes like that because the glue dries hard underneath and it's not very forgiving to get your needle through you can have some curse words when you're trying to get um, things working that way so each each medium is different but you just really have to kind of experiment and see what works for you and what doesn't work for you mm. do you see thread as paint yes i think so I think I see it more as ink, um, where it's a lot more concentrated for me. Like I don't, mm. there are people that do thread painting where they're actually kind of illustrating an image with just thread. And that's something I want to do, but it seems really daunting. Um, where I think I just see thread as ink as like a pen and I can mm. do some like really fine illustrations with it. I can write with it. Um, but I see it less as paint and more concentrated as ink. Mm. I think, yeah, I totally agree with you, Jennifer, but I think it can be both, you know, when you start to get into it and you start to experiment with the different types of um, stitching and there's a lot of stitches that would be kind of considered an outline stitch and a lot of stitches would be considered a filler stitch, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is what you're more talking about there, Jennifer, then yeah, yeah, it does almost become a paint because you can blend the different colors into each other and there's some really beautiful stuff that you can do there so you could do something like that easily in you know kind of in what we're doing uh, probably not on the paper because the paper wouldn't the paper would disintegrate from the amount of holes that you would have to put into it for to, to get that mm-hmm. kind of effect um, but you can also get a lot of um, variegated threads as well uh, which have different tones within them um, so you can get like a paint like effect from one piece of thread because there's variations of color within it so yeah i mean it, it can be both but yeah i i agree with jennifer though you you can really think of it as a pen um but and, and you can think of it as a paint but i think when people are really intimidated by using the embroidery in kind of something like we're doing then to see it as just another type of paint you know it's just a different kind or a different kind of pen then it's a good way of looking at it to kind of take make it not so intimidating mm. mm-hmm. It definitely does make it less intimidating for me. And I think like this is quite an intimidating art form, you know. Um, what, what do you think the difference between the beginning and starting out and playing around and where you guys are at the moment? How do you get from sucking in the beginning to being quite comfortable in this art? Practice. 
like anything, isn't it? Like you have to practice, you know, um, when you, when you start off, you know, you kind of start off with something like a back stitch or just a straight stitch. You have to make sure that your stitches are even and that they're neat and, you know, and sometimes even now when I'm trying to do something, it's like, where the hell is this stitch going? Why is it off to the left? You know, so, uh, you can, you know, kind of undo that where I suppose with a paint line or an ink line, you, it's, it's harder to, to undo it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's just practice but you can start off really simply and you can, I mean, honestly, most of the stuff that I use, it's just a backstitch or a small variation on a backstitch. There's not a huge pile of fans. What is a backstitch? Sorry. Just like a line is creating just a line, (laughs) a solid line line. of stitches, a straight line. That's it. It's like your sewing machine, Mm -hmm. your sewing machine, that's kind of stitch, just in a straight line. That's, that's it. Nothing more fancy than that, but to get it to kind of go around, um, and make shapes and stuff you have to be aware of how it each stitch relates to the next stitch so you're really only looking at the next stitch along so you're never kind of worrying too much about the whole piece the mm-hmm. whole piece evolves but you are only looking at the stitch you just did this next stitch where is that stitch in relation to the stitch you just did is it following the correct line that you want it to follow does it need to be smaller does it need to be bigger and you know that's that's really all you have to do is kind of just one one stitch like one foot in front of the other you know mm-hmm. I like that I think yes no I, I I totally agree with Karen it's practice and you also have to learn the rules before you can break them so you have to learn the back stitch you have to learn if you want to the fringe knot or whatever <laughs> kind of stitch it is that um you just have to learn the basics um and you can do that through a kit you can do that through all these amazing embroiderers that are releasing patterns quite cheaply and you just um you're just kind of copying this this pattern they've created for you to learn from um and so we all have to start that way we all have to start at the beginning um we all have to start by looking at other people's work so we can figure out how to model it how to model ours on theirs um, but once you learn the basics, once you're comfortable with the rules, you can start to go outside them and you can start to break them and you can create your new rules. Um, and that's kind of, I think, where we are like, uh, we want to see how we can stitch on paper, you know, just using like Karen has embroidered an eyelet wheel or something on paper. And I was amazed by that because I wouldn't have attempted that on paper, only on fabric. Um, so you can create new ways of making once you have learned the rules and you've learned the basic stitches. I love that. Karen, you want to speak more about those? Oh, what's the name? Eyelet wheels? Eyelet oh, <laughs> wheels. Which one? Which one? <laughs> Firstly, one is an eyelet. <laughs> I'm not sure what is this the the, the circles that I had done. Yeah, the circle uh, yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was literally just. I think I did that. Uh, well, it was a wee while ago that I did them. Um, it was just they were just painted papers. I think it might have been a jelly print on top of it. I'm not sure. And literally, I just cut a circle out. And I just did a circle within a circle within a circle. And then kind of from the center circle, I just kind of put a hole in the middle and just did stitches radiating out of that and just kind of did some variations on that. So um, I really, 
I would have been influenced quite a lot by Lisa Congdon. I would have done a lot of her classes and stuff with Creative Bugs. So she she has a really, you can tell her work a million miles away, um, you know, and I really like that style, but I don't want it to be hers. I want it to be mine. So, you know, I'm just kind of variating there with different um um, lengths of stitches, um, different types of stitches, different directions of stitches, but it's all just the same simple back stitch. Uh, it's not anything um, fancy. And then because it was just on a small piece of paper, I'd pierced the holes beforehand and just, you know, planned out in my head. You have to plan when you're stitching on paper, as I'm sure Jennifer will agree, you have to know. You either have to have your drawing done out first on it or kind of know where you're going or be going with a very simple one. And then literally I just got the paper piercer, pierced the holes where I wanted it to be and just stitched it and it was so simple once once you had pierced the holes like there was no it's literally like stitching by numbers there was no kind of mm-hmm. I don't know where to go or this isn't the right width because you can plan it out ahead and then it was just literally I just put it on top I think that particular one was in my altered book so it it, it gave the the layout and the spread a different dimension then as well a different textured effect and then I think on the same one or very similar one I had done um at home and um, I had sprayed it with um, the dilution spray and coloured it and then I stitched it onto the paper then um, which I think is called couching I'm not sure um, I, th- I think it's called couching um, where you literally just take another thicker um, kind of piece of thread or um, whatever you have to hand a wool or anything like that and you can literally attach it to another piece of fabric because it would be too thick to go through the eye of a needle um so you can you can attach it on there so i really want to try and do some more stuff with that because that's really that's a really fun technique to to use Mm. karen i think that you are kind of the queen of taking inspiration and making it your own like you were talking about (laughs) you were talking about the lisa congdon stuff and seeing her stuff and admiring her style but knowing that's not your exact style so you took it and you made it your own um Hmm. Tell us your secrets. I don't know how else to ask you this question, but how do you go from seeing the inspiration and making it your own? Um, do you know, I think you just literally have to copy it. Like I could show you a sketchbook full of Lisa Congdon stuff like literally um but you kind of have to go there to learn what the technique is and the style that it is and you can carry on with that there's nothing wrong with that that's why she teaches the classes um you know and I did um the Roxanne Coble class as well and for creatures I mean like I probably won't ever finish that spread because I learned what I needed to learn from just starting it the the different textures the different layers and I know I'll take that and put it into my my work so I think really kind of do the class, copy it exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you don't have to show it off if you're not kind of like, oh, this just looks exactly like Lisa Condon, so she might as well have done it for me. Um, but, you know, that that whole linear, once I had done her class, like the whole linear style of her drawing with the florals and everything like that and, and seeing florals in a different way I would never have tried to draw for hours before. Uh, whereas now I can't stop drawing them because of what 
she is kind of unlocked in me that I don't, it doesn't have to be exactly right. Um, and, you know, some of the pieces I'm working on right now for the embroidery, because I'm really trying to concentrate on that, are going to be my line drawn florals um, on, you know, kind of different backgrounds and using different materials. So, yeah, I mean, just just do it. Copy, 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 do whatever class you can. But just remember that at the end of the class, you need to look at it and say, well, what did I learn, me? And what do I like? And what can I use that I've learned and copied in my work? That's, I think, where the, the, the best thing for, for anyone kind of starting off is. Hmm. So kind of to like take it all in, practice as much as you can, see what sticks, you know, and kind of the the thing that even if you are copying someone's page exactly, it's still going to look like you. Exactly. And you still did the work. So it's not like you didn't do it. Of course you did it. She didn't come to your house and do it for you. Uh, although I wish she would. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I think any, I mean, like, look, way back you know I mean any artist from the dawn of time would have copied from someone um you know and just because you're copying something doesn't mean you didn't do it you shouldn't take away from the achievement of of producing something like if someone copied my work I would be like oh my god that's amazing you did it and you know I I inspired you and that's fantastic so I don't think you should belittle yourself from just like literally copying um someone but yeah I mean you you just kind of have to look at it in in a way that well I really wouldn't use that color or I perhaps wouldn't do it in that particular way or I would do it in a different order or I really like how she did this part I'm going to do that part again but I'm not going to do this part again because I didn't really like it so that's that's kind of the way you have to look at it then and yeah just experiment and try different things and just whatever you like then you use Mm. love it Jennifer you big on inspiration I'm big on it I am big on it, but do you mean, what do you mean by that? Well, I know like um, the words that you stitch and the words that you hand letter on paper and on material, um, they're not always your own. Mm, So I don't know, would you see that as a form of inspiration? Um, How do you find it? Definitely. Um, For me, I've always read my whole life. I've been a reader and it, quickly evolved into a collector of words where I would write down the words I thought were beautiful that mean something to me that I want to revisit again and again. So I've got these, I mean, in high school, I would have these binders full of printed quotes and now it's these little notebooks that I've written um, quotes in. And so those, those quotes always speak for me in a way, like they're somebody else's words, but when I apply them to myself or my art, they mean something to me that I didn't have to say myself. Like they speak for me in a way that um, I think they can always, you know, they speak to other people. And so I, I like to use um, kind of those uplifting and encouraging words that I find a lot of comfort in and share those with other people, because that's kind of, that's my love language, words of affirmation and sharing those words. Um, so that I definitely get a lot of inspiration from that. Mm. And your other stuff, like your abstract art and all of that, where do you find that in yourself? I think just playing with color, um, playing with shapes um, and playing, you know, try not to put too much emphasis on, okay, this has got to be an art piece. Like it's got to be something that looks really great that I can share with everybody that somebody would want to buy. Like that's too much pressure. Um, so when you just play, you can find discoveries, 
that you wouldn't have found otherwise. Um, so that's, and also the fabric, I think the paint and the fabric will play back with you. Like they'll do the work for you as well. You can find inspiration in something that you've made that you didn't know you were going to make. And that's a really cool discovery. So you were speaking about the pressure there is on putting your piece out on Instagram. So I'd love to talk more about that pressure and perfectionism and things that traditionally hold you back. I had just um, shared a piece on Instagram today that I haven't shared before because it wasn't perfect. And I, I had this great idea for it, but it didn't quite turn out the way that I had envisioned. Um, but it, it still is fine. You know, when you step back, I think you maybe need to, I needed that break. I needed that period of keeping it to myself and becoming okay with it and seeing it on my wall before I could share it with other people to realize that, okay, maybe like this one stitch is crooked. But when I take a step back and I look at the whole thing, I can't see that one crooked stitch. So it's okay in the context of the whole, I think Karen said something really beautiful about that earlier. Um, when you're working in embroidery, you've got the hoop really close to your face. You're work, you're working with one stitch and the next and the next, and you're really zoomed in and you can't see the whole thing until you're finished with it. Um, so you, I think you do need to step out a little bit and take some time for your, you know, for that piece to develop maybe not thinking about it so much um, will give you the space you need to process it better. Um, I think one, one way I've gotten away from perfectionism is by doing more abstract work. Like in, mm. when I was starting with embroidery, I did a lot of patterns that I had created and I, I worked on wedding invitations that I had, you know, as gifts, like, um, custom pieces or I would embroider a wedding invitation and it would have to be perfect and straight and centered and perfectly tight. And that was all so much pressure and I got tired of trying to replicate something that had to be perfect because it was, you know, it was a wedding gift. It had to be so special. Um, so I moved away from that more and I've just embraced the imperfections of, mixed media art on, on fabric or on paper. Um, like I said, where the paint will do its own thing and you kind of have to follow its path. Firstly, that picture that you shared on Instagram was completely perfect in my eyes. I did not see anything <laughs> wrong with it. I can't believe that there was a story attached to it because it was amazing. Mm, thank um, you. And secondly, abstract art is amazing for perfectionism. It is amazing because you can completely, um, air quotes, stuff it up. But, you know, if it's abstract, then it's kind of like you go with the flow and then it looks like you're totally meant to do that. Mm -hmm. Is it easy exactly. to be abstract on material? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because like I, I I've done a lot of stuff with um you know like a variation on like a cross stitch, um so a cross stitch traditionally really is is an X um but it's equal sized X is because it's worked over a fabric that's called Aida um or maybe it's pronounced slightly different I'm not sure um but um it literally the holes are punched in the fabric 
and you have to go through those holes. So each X creates a, a perfect square which you don't have to worry about because it's already done for you. Um, but there's nothing stopping you doing a cross stitch stitch on fabric or on paper. But like mm-hmm. one stitch is really long and one stitch is really short or it's going in a slightly different diagonal. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then the same with like a straight stitch. Um, you know, you can have different lengths of straight stitches. You can have them going across the page next to each other, uh, you know, like kind of like like um, hash marks. You don't have to, you know, kind of have it be perfect at all. Yeah, I love that. I feel like there's a lot less pressure um with the abstract kind of thing, because I've seen both of your art, like the, the cross stitch X's and the like difference. I don't know these fancy names, but I know when you were talking about it, I could think of the exact work of yours that like had done it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that I, as a complete noob, I could get behind doing that. You know, I think it's very expressive as well. I think the uh, irregularities between the stitches give it its own charm, mm. um, its own little whimsy. And as she was talking, I I looked over and saw this hoop I've been working on with these stars, like sort of um, like little cross stitches, but with one extra stitch pegged onto it. And they're all different and they they look kind of wonky. But like um, when you take a look back at it and when you see the whole thing together, it's it's whimsical it's kind of fun and it doesn't have to be perfect and that abstract um that abstract nature of it gives it its character and charm yeah and it's in its beauty so for the people listening you can't see it but jennifer just showed us and looks amazing jennifer like it looks really cool yeah, that's one of those hoops that I was keeping to myself because oh, it's it's not ready yet. It's not perfect. It's it's different than what I usually do, but I need to just release it into the world and you know let it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what's nice about sharing as well is that we always are harshest critics. You know, I found like that the art that I've made that I've really disliked that I've shared anyway, maybe because like there was nothing else to share that day. So I thought, okay, whatever, let's share this. People like this, someone out there that loves it, mm-hmm. you know, and like you say, releasing it to the world, it kind of like finishes it off a bit. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, we're just people as well. Like, you know, we eat, we drink, you know, it's like, we're just, we're just the same. I go to work, I get up, I don't want to go to work. You know, I have my guy and there's no difference between me and someone else. So, I mean, like, not everything I do is going to be perfect. And I think if you're going to, like, I, w- I would always, I mean, of course, Instagram is heavily create- curated, um, you know, and you're always looking for that perfect shot. But I, I would like to think that, like, I try to show the reality it's not always like that you know you know my desk is a crap hole like it's terrible it's so messy you know and I literally just put my phone board on top of all the crap that's underneath it and take my picture um so you know I I, I have the smallest space in the world but you know it, it doesn't matter um you know you can still make something something cool out of it so I think showing your struggle and showing that oh my god I hate this or this didn't work out the way I wanted to I mean of course 
different people are going to like it. But I mean, that doesn't mean you have to like it. You can still hate it and still think that it's terrible. But, you know, I think you, ha- you have to show the two sides of it. It's not always perfect, but it's not always amazing. So mm. it's important, I think, that people know that. I think with those extreme words of wisdom, I think that's a good place for us to wrap up. Thank you so much for talking to me today, ladies. You make me very excited to try and thread. Maybe I'll start with threading paper before I get all fancy and get material and stuff. Um, But you guys are so inspirational and inspiration that leads to action because I'm not about inspiration that you just pin to a board and leave it there. Um, And you've given such amazing practical advice. I think that everyone listening today is going to be able to take something back with her and put it into her art, whether it's traditional art or if she's going to try embroidery. I know that this conversation will help level up her art a bit. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to How She Creates. We would love to see how you create. Share with us on Instagram using the hashtag HowSheCreates. If you love learning about creativity with us, please leave us a review and subscribe on iTunes. Grab your art supplies and we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of How She Creates.